The Jungle Podcast. Coming to you live from the Interplanetary Station with The Jungle Podcast. Sending you vibes straight from the nebulous. My, our coordinates are 330x50y215z in space nautical miles. So please come save me because I'm being trapped in a cell. Now I'm... And I am... Now we're gonna take good care of y'all. But first, dude, you know coordinates, right? How would coordinates work in space? Because, like, coordinates on the Earth are a grid over, like, they're laid over a sphere. Yes. So, like, would we just define a very large sphere in space, and then once you're outside of that sphere, you are no longer within the domain of coordinates? Uh, it would be a sphere starting from the origin of earth in the middle and then they will use diameter to uh, so like say they shoot a laser at a place to target where they're landing yeah they measure that and not the angle from the earth they'll so they'll make that into space miles but like you know what if the earth is moving in a direction different than other celestial bodies then that wouldn't be accurate because you know if you're measuring the distance of celestial body to another celestial body based on the angle from the earth and that changes you know that's not an accurate way of keeping maps you know i never thought about this this is interesting again this is actually how does map making work in space see see here's the thing is do you think humans will actually ever end up in space in like that kind of way of course really I mean, dude, we're talking, like, you know, tens of generations down the line. I mean, hundreds of generations down the line. And that, like, how long has it taken from the beginning of aviation to end up in space? Less than a century, right? That's amazing progress. See, that's actually, that's a good, um, it's actually a really good observation. However, I do wonder, like, what is the level of impossibility of, like, when does math end? You know what I mean? Is there ever an ending of math? And does the inherent use of math mean that we are in a logical and rational world in the universe? What? (laughs) (laughs) What, dude? Okay. So what I'm suggesting is that... Okay, to, to get possible, like, efficient space travel between stations with accurate measurements and maps, right? Yeah. That would require having the math be able to formulate an entirely new subject of mathematics that's simply measuring out-of-planet universe math, dude. We don't have that yet, do we? Well, I think we do. Um, I actually think this is interesting because it's been on my mind recently. Um... You know, I think math most fundamentally, and this is my opinion as somebody who doesn't have any, like, really formal academic training in math, but I feel like math most fundamentally is setting definitions and finding the logical path to reach a conclusion. I mean, and then new areas of math, I feel like, kind of are created by necessity as physics requires them. So I feel like that would be like a co-op between math and physics, you know? Like, defining a new set of mathematic 
excuse me, a new set of mathematic functions to take on. See, but you think that's like achievable in the context of space travel? Yeah, of course. I think it's difficult because, you know, um, when celestial bodies are moving in directions and there's all sorts of interferences, like, uh, you know, I'm having trouble imagining how you would calculate distance through empty space. That's why, that that's, that's, that's what I'm trying to figure out, like, do we measure the empty space? Does that mean that we can find a way of making the empty space not empty, that we are able to accurately measure? So, I, wait... Wait, we are overcomplicating this. They literally measure <laughs> distance. miles in distance already. <laughs> yeah. But no, no, but I'm talking like in but, a three-dimensional oh, like gotcha. grid system. How does that work? I feel like it would be one of those situations where it'd be like GPS. Well, no, no, no. I mean, like, there is a solution to this. Like, people go into space, you know? Like, yeah. I, I just wonder how they do it. You know, because when you think about it, like, the, uh, the longitude and latitude is basically a grid overlaid on the, you know, surface area of the Earth, you know? Right. So, so like, with geologists, how do geologists, do they have their own special kind of grid when they talk about the innards of the Earth? Mm, no, I don't think so. They don't have that kind of grid because it's mantle. Mantle, the magma. Yeah, but if you're trying to locate a specific place... They use the same latitude and longitude. Well, no, because... Well, unless you're talking about, like, when the cross... Because longitude and latitude is two-dimensional, bro. And it's just laid on top of the outside of the Earth. Yeah, but latitude and longitude determine coordinates. And we use coordinates. Yeah, 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 but, like, only for the areas on the outside of the Earth. That doesn't happen in geology? They don't use coordinates? Well, I mean, I'm wondering if they use a different type of coordinates no. for areas that are deep underground. No, because they would. What they do is that they find the coordinates overground, then they measure distance inside. They use the same map making system. What they do is that they measure density. Yeah. That's all it is. Oh, so like you know, two miles down from this point. Yes, exactly. That's what they. That's how they do it. That reminds me, man. Um... I remember, like, uh, or not remember, like, in a lot of places, um, you know, when you own a property, mm -hmm. you own, like, the, or theoretically, right, uh, this is what I thought about property ownership when I was a kid, you would own the area directly above and directly below your house all the way down. So, um, I wonder, like, you know, as your plot of land approaches an infinitely small amount as it goes smaller and smaller towards the core i don't know if you even own the land under your house though nah you got like mineral rights and stuff so like any minerals under your house are yours are or, they i don't know that's what you said what, what well no, are, no 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 now i'm curious what are like, mineral rights like uh companies sometimes purchase a mineral rights to a territory and then they'll be able to like mine you know gold or silver as it occurs underneath that territory. But now I'm wondering, like, do I own the mineral rights underneath my house? Can I just, like, rig up oil from underneath my house? I'm assuming no, right? Well, I mean, maybe, like, there would be permits and stuff to be able to mine oil. But, like, do you own the oil? Holy shit. Do you want to start a fracking company and just kill the environment in the area? 
of a place where it's mostly limestone underground. I have no idea. Okay. You want to tell the podcast about the call you just received, man? Yeah, so I just received a FaceTime and a call from a friend of mine. And I'm not sure why, but I'm kind of committed to the podcast now. So I'm sorry if you heard the buzzing, guys. Yeah. That was strange, right? She is strange as a person. No, I, I said that sarcastically. You know? Oh, I was so confused. I was like, what, like I, I couldn't read you. Okay. Anyways, um, I think that where were we? You know, that was that's a whole question. Where are we? So if we use a three D grid in space, <laughs> nah, I'm messing with you, dude. But I wonder if. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I wonder if there's an area, like, I wonder if there's an area of just, like, constant being that doesn't move in space. And then, like, Everything all... in space is a vacuum, so how'd that work? Well, I don't know, maybe there's, like, a planet that just happens to not be moving. But wouldn't that disprove the theory of gravity? Dude, I don't know, like, maybe the planet is so far away from other masses Dude, that it doesn't have trying, any gravitational pull, you know what I'm saying? We are trying to say, or we're trying to talk like physicists, despite neither of us have I'm any... not trying to talk like physicists, I don't know shit about physics, dude. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm just being honest. Um, but these questions would be interesting to explore. Man, now I kind of want to take, like, a class in astronomy. You know, how, uh, can you take it? You're, uh, um... Actually, yeah, I can. Yeah, you can take that. Because uh, next semester, there's a weird thing with my classes, so I could actually take an astronomy class yeah, next semester. learn how to observe the stars, dude. Yeah, I wonder, um, you know, I wonder if there's a large percentage of people who are into astrology in astronomy classes. I would assume so. You know, they're, I mean, they're related disciplines. Not related. I mean, I wouldn't consider it a discipline to begin with. I'm sorry. Astrology? Bro. I mean, bro, I mean, come on. Like, technically you know, it's, it's speaking, from like Babylonian a... theology. Yes, like, but it's technically a thing, you know, dude? I mean, it's a thing. Like, look, I respect, it's like, it's like my opinion on tarot cards, you know? Tarot cards? Like, I respect the cultural practice. I respect you know, the sort of therapeutic effects it can offer, but do not tell me that has, like, the ability to predict the future. Do not push that pseudoscientific BS on me or anyone around you. I remember one time my mom got mad at my sister because she was forced to play tarot cards at a sleepover. She was forced to play tarot? You're yeah. making it sound like they, like, forced her hand, no, like, they had her tied No, they're not forced, but, like, they, like, really peer pressure into doing it, because, like, Apparently my my mom and sister believe in demons and shit still, and so they thought it was like witchcraft and that it was like sacrilegious to play tarot. That's weird, right? You know though, like that's a surprisingly common belief. I'll never forget. Um, you know, I went to this super Catholic high school, and I will never forget that we had this religious assembly in the chapel. And this guy, like, he seemed normal. He seemed like he kind of knew his stuff. There was something a little bit wonky about him. But he mm -hmm. was, like, giving this speech in my religion class. And then he randomly goes on a tangent about spiritual warfare. 
and then so much so that the discourse on spiritual warfare consumed more than half of his talking time and he was talking about how we as catholics must pray to fight demons dude like and homie was really pushing the fight demons part of this like to him you know the world was in a constant war against demons that's just fundamentally an odd ideology to me <laughs> Yeah. Like, doesn't it make more sense in my eyes for everything to be part of one interconnected system that you, each in aspect of life has its own function in the ecosystem, right? So, like, I don't understand, like, why is it that Christians have this, like, fundamental idea that the world's just always at dysfunction? When it's like, no, if the world's surviving, that means the world's always at, at function. Does that make sense? I, I know what you're saying, but I don't think all Christians hold that belief. I think there's a huge disconnect between, like, you know, your theo theologians, your philosophers, and then what the average Christian might believe. See, and then within that, there's diversity, you know? See, but I just don't understand how that even fundamentally becomes a belief. It just doesn't make sense to me. I feel like it's, um, you know, not just Christianity, but I feel like it's a combination of, like, local culture and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's just this, like, weird to think persecution complex, too. Like, yeah. they always feel persecuted. And I'm not sure... Not they. I don't want to say they, because it's very unacademic. It's very colloquial. Fuck. Colloquial. You know what I'm trying to say? Colloquial. And by the way, that uh, monkey noise you heard was to censor out some bad profanity. We try keeping it PG-13. Okay. Wait, we're allowed one. One? We're allowed one. That's the rule for PG-13. You can only have one... Is that so? F-bomb. Yes. In a season or an episode? In an episode. Huh. Yeah, you can have 253 shits, one F-bomb, and then, like, everything else is fair game. Why is that? Like, is, is that, like, with a certain, like, news network? It's, uh, for the... Or not news network, TV. I, I don't know why I said news It's for network. ratings. Like, it's for, like, ratings. Or, like, concert warnings and stuff. Like, concert yeah. ratings. That those companies that do that are those are their regulations. It's like built with politicians and stuff. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, but um, it's just an odd like persecution complex that I see some individuals in the Christian theology side say. You know what I mean? I, I wouldn't even consider them Christian theology side. And I'm I'm an atheist, you know. Yeah. But I have a massive respect for theologians because what they do is academic. I would not consider these people who have beliefs that arise out of question mark who knows where mm -hmm. i mean a lot of these people who are like making these prosecution beliefs a lot of these people are pushing the ideas of spiritual warfare they're just not properly educated on the material and i feel like they're making decisions based off of you know areas where they have very very little knowledge it seems like it's a lot of like influence and connections is how you like tend to be uh that like that's your mobility when it comes to like christian communities you know like the christian like management like the administration of the christian churches does that make sense how, like how familiar are you with like the organization of christian churches oh very familiar so like do you know how like methodist churches work and like baptist churches work no so with protestant religions or protestant christians um it's very much by church by church so, uh, for the Methodist Church, at least where I'm from, all the Methodist churches were called under the United Methodist Church, and they all follow the same rules and regulations, but they, they all have, all the churches have their own autonomy, they can freely leave the United Methodist Church if they'd like and still be called themselves Methodists. 
um, but they make decisions in committee. Uh, Baptist churches are very much church by church, not as a unifying. Um, Methodist churches also like to circulate their preachers between churches, so they're not always going to maintain this like high level of influence over one region. One region, does that make right. sense? Um, Baptist churches don't have that, but there are like committees and, and conventions in the Baptist church that does decide like what happens in the Baptist church. Like, what is their theology? What is their goal of the Baptist church right now? The Southern Baptist church specifically. Um. So these like conventions are very influential over church policy and like what pastors do to run the churches. Does that make sense? Yeah. For um, Catholics, I feel like they have that worldwide globalization thing that they tend to have more organized. So uh, I feel like it's a little little more simple, or it's a little simpler to categorize Catholic organization and Catholic hierarchy. For Protestant churches, it's not the same. Yeah, I feel like uh, you can categorize uh, Catholic hierarchy because, I mean, like, it, it is literally a hierarchy. Yeah, I, it's, it's intentional. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think you can say that about Catholic beliefs. You know, and I actually think this is very interesting. Um, you know, I went to a synagogue quite some time ago, and mm-hmm. I was amazed at the community I observed, you know. Um, and so with Catholics, I noticed that it's a very loose sense of community. Yeah. So people will identify as Catholic, and they'll take that very personally to heart. But in terms of the Catholic community, it doesn't really exist, in my opinion. Right. I mean, a ver- there's a very small percentage of people who I think would consider themselves in the Catholic community. And these are, you know, maybe your intellectuals and your soccer moms who pick their kids up from Catholic school. Right. You know? Um so, um, and maybe your older people who are involved in the community. I also think this comes down to it's not as big as it used to be. It used to be Catholic Church and those people who were part of the hierarchy had a big influence on communities. Nowadays, not so much, you know, but like, uh, for example, you know, the pro-choice, pro-life thing. Uh, the massive amount of pro-lifers when abortion was on the forefront of the issue back in the 50s and 60s were Catholics. They weren't your conservatives, they were specifically your Catholics. Right. They, uh, Catholics used to be a very big voting block. They used to have a big influence on the United States. They still do, but they're not as consistent of a voting block anymore. It used to be what one Catholic bishop says is gospel. That's very interesting, actually. Uh, I'll definitely look more into that, because I, I wonder if that's because maybe uh, certain political parties tried attaching themselves to the Catholic ideas, and then they pulled them back, you know? So, the reason why is because, um, like, like that, but it's because there was a very, um, I mean, I think objectively, both on the left and right, there was a concern about how some Catholics might view the Pope compared to the country. Right. That there was such a big sense of community among Catholics that they genuinely thought that JFK would prioritize what the Vatican says over... Isn't that wild? Nowadays, you, I mean, no one really cared when Joe Biden was elected, even though he's Irish Catholic. Yeah. It's just because it's just such a different culture nowadays. Catholic Church used to be, I think, a little more influential than they are now. Just because of the lack of technology, too. And people becoming less religious by the day. And also, I think that uh, religious centers, like, you know, um, like churches in general, served a lot more as community centers. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in a lot of places, your uh, local religion would 
you know, uh, take care of your kids while you work. Right. They would educate them. They would give them food, get them participating community, teach them how to read. Um, and then, you know, as we see more and more, like, actually, you know, I noticed uh, Jewish schools. I think Jewish schools are particularly interesting because, uh, you know, they remind me of kind of the community religious schools that existed right. a long time ago. Not just like a religious school, but like, you know, a religious organization that teaches is kind of the vibe I get from like those schools. I feel like they could be beneficial sometimes too. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm not saying, I don't like some of the influence they may have on people's beliefs, especially with gay marriage, for example. But yeah, um, I think it's with Catholics, I, it, there's just a change in how many Catholics there are. Did you know that we are an oddly religious country for our development? Yes, actually. 82% of people of Brightons don't even identify as religious. Most of them are atheist. Of uh, whom? Uh, Britons, so uh, British people. So in England, 82% of their population is atheist. I'm sorry, bro. You said Brightons? It's like, it's Britons or Brightons. Brightons, bro? I'm sorry. <laughs> what is it? What's the term? They're called Brightons because there's, you can say British people, but it's like saying Portuguese people. You know, yeah. like, you just say Portuguese or Germans or French. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Oh, I guess I could say English. Fuck. I just know Brighton's the term. Alright, whatever, dude. No, no, uh, I, you say Britons, bro. Is it Britons? Is it? I Wait, am I confused? Know. That was Brighton's. No, no, British. British, Britain. Dude, how do, we, how do we mess it up? Because I've heard Brighton as like. Brighton? Is from like the BBC. People? Yeah. Really? Is this some. Is this a thing? Did, we, did we just like make up a word? How to? I'm go literally googling how to pronounce Brighton or Britain. Yeah, but then it's a British person. I S H. British pronoun. Britain. Britain. That's a country. Okay. No, Britain. Like Brighton. Okay. Hold up. Britain. Britain. Britons. Okay. How to pronounce Brighton? I hope we don't get copyrights right. The following pronunciation is brought to you by pronouncenames.com. Are you serious? Did they even add Dude. the pronunciation to Yeah. It? That's awful. Britain. Britain. It's Britain. Oh my god, I'm a I'm a dumbass. I swear. Oh, sorry. I'm a dumbass. Like, it's... Why did I think it was Brighton? <laughs> I don't know, dude. You tell me. I do that. <laughs> um... Would you ever go to England? I have been to England. You like it? Well, it's funny. I only went there for like a two-hour connecting flight, you know. <laughs> so uh, I, I say I've been to, um, you know, uh, Britain and Germany, but nah. I, I would like to uh, go. I, I want to eventually uh, go to most countries. Actually, I'm, I'm very big on uh, the idea of traveling. I feel like if I don't have kids, I'll travel. But why not, like, travel and then have kids? Because they'll probably be poor. Well, I mean, no, just, like, you know, get some fat stacks going on and then... Well, yeah, let me just travel. make money real quick. You know what you could do, actually? Um, and Invest I... some penny stocks. Okay. Okay. Oh, true. <laughs> true. True. Yeah. Uh, I've been saying true as a neutral response, so Cameron's been making fun of me. It's funny. It. It's I, it's so predictable. I can just I can like almost 
if I say something out of pocket and he doesn't want to say, Cameron, you're fucking stupid, shut up. <laughs> he's just like, oh, true. And then I, I'm like, true. I mean, it's great because you're giving a word that is technically affirming, right? Right. But it's also very neutral. And then it yeah. gives the illusion of paying attention and possibly the, not No, but you're not even paying attention it's, when I'm saying it's shit. It's perfectly, it's, it's yeah. perfect. Like, the perfect response, true. True. Now, I, I will say, Cameron, I am, I'm not sure about the utility of um, military service for somebody, in the U.S. at least, for somebody who does not require the social mobility that it provides. But I do think that joining the Navy would be a very good opportunity to see the world. Yeah, it is. You, like, you I, I would legitimately join the Navy after college as an officer, and I would totally do that. Yeah, it is. To, to see the world, yeah, it's a great option. You can go to Alaska, you can go to Germany, you can go to Korea, Okinawa, so many places. Like, it's genuinely crazy, like, where you can go. You can go to Kuwait. Kuwait's easy. You would know? you do that? No, I, I wouldn't ever join the military. I would rather... Uh, stay in the states than join the military, in my opinion. I see. Why? Why is that? Like, is there something specifically about being in the other country as a member of the armed forces? That I feel like uh, I feel like the United States is neo-colonial. I think our uh, outside country influence. Yeah. Why do we still have bases in other countries? Actually, now that I think about it, and NATO expansion. Look, I'm not saying Russia's right whatsoever, but there are very much intellectual debate around the morality of nato oh absolutely like not saying their actions are justified in the slightest quite the opposite but you know there is discourse to be had like some definitions refer to nato as like neo-colonial like structure and then maybe that's true but who knows um that but also uh i don't like the intellectual structure of the armed forces I feel like it very much encourages same thinking to develop camaraderie and that it's better for organization of, of having a mission when everyone agrees on the same thing. Does that make sense? Yes, actually. And to ex I'm not sure if this would be expanding on that idea, but I think it's very interesting. Why do military themes still exist in everyday life? You know, like I understand previously when, you know, each individual town and village had its own culture. And then these, you know, cultures would come into conflict, or there'd be economic conflicts, and there'd be fighting, and this would be remembered in cultural tradition. But I, I just find it so odd like that, like, military themes. Like, I mean, like, or I mean, I suppose, like, uh, these themes also exist in other frameworks, you know, like, uh, the, you know, like, the uh, underdog who wins the battle, or the soldier who sacrifices his life um you know fighting others etc you know just like mil like kind of themes that involve violence you know it's odd because like a lot of very popular books for teenagers involve a lot of you know war scenes or like percy jackson for instance um uh, have you read Percy Jackson? Any yeah. of the books? Yeah. So you'll know that there, are, like, there's a very heavy emphasis on militant training, and it seems odd because you know, living in a developed nation, there's no need for that at all. You know, like having 
the education to understand other people's cultures and then artificially put yourself on the same page just makes all of that militant kind of ideology unnecessary because people see right through those words though you can try to artificially like plant yourself but it doesn't work it doesn't work i think people are smarter than what we make them out to be you know it's like when you when you when the United States is like, oh, we are very friendly with the Vietnamese and the Vietnamese love us, then you're like, no, the Vietnamese, no, we don't actually love them, but they are economically beneficial, so we'll pretend to be on the same page too. It's about providing economic and military benefit. So you can plant yourself in the culture, but the culture will see you right through you. No, 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 man. I'm, I'm saying like culturally everywhere, you know, like in literature in movies and shows like mm -hmm. in anime you know um i think one of the defining characteristics of a lot of anime is these crazy fight scenes where in three frames someone throws 50 punches you know right so you know i, I just think it's interesting why are humans so transfixed with certain themes of violence because in it's their unifying arts? because because I'm not going to say there's a universal standard of violence, however, all cultures can understand violence as a principle. I actually understand that, yeah. So, even though cultures have different ways of expressing said violence, it is- violence is innately- okay, actually that's a very bold claim, I'm not going to say it's innately biological, however, it is also hard to say, yeah, anger and- and that expression of anger and violence is still has a place in every culture right so violence and military and war themes are very much easy to unify different kinds of people under a banner does that make sense yes and i, I completely understand uh, what you're saying and I'm not going to disagree with you like I think what you said is correct and actually enlightening thank you for saying that um, but my concern is you know how these themes because they're so I don't want to say they're fundamental to the human experience but because everyone understands these themes of war and violence um, I'm concerned that they enter areas that have a high degree of human variability like, for instance, like, uh, maybe workplace politics or, you know, um, maybe domestic politics in the family, how, you know, brothers might interact with one each with one another, how, you know, a wife might treat her husband or vice versa, you know, um, how a gay couple might be viewed by a heterosexual family or when right. one wants to determine the size of their family. I think like these themes of violence and war, like these martial themes, I don't think encourage, but I think they do find an expression in areas where there is no place. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? A hundred percent. But that is unfortunately I think going to happen no matter where what you're at, right? Yeah. No matter what you're doing. Um I will correct myself though and say that not all cultures do prioritize violence as a means to an end. There are cultures who very much look down on violence and see it as like very past, like very last possible necessity, right? Um, however, when you commodify culture, when you have money in exchange for the expression of culture, which is fine, 
right? That's a, I'm not going to comment on the morality around that. However, when you do the come out of vacation culture, it does encourage finding more general themes that everyone can kind of relate to than doing an abstract commentary on what those themes mean. Right. That's why Marvel movies are so attractive, not just the States, but in everywhere. Does that make sense? That makes sense, yes. Now, I was talking with you earlier today, and you were talking a lot about social media. So why don't you tell me and the viewers a little bit about that? So recently, I have come to the conclusion about social media for my life that uh, I really need to cut it down. I think um, it creates artificial community in your brain that is uh, not, it's parasocial, right? right? And I'm realizing that parasocial uh, lifestyle does not work with mine. I don't feel happy with the parasocial, like, thing. Does that make sense? Uh, define parasocial, man. <sighs> I'm developing a sense of community with people I don't have a conversation with or express yeah. ideas with. It is, And it, those people are put in my face with an algorithm deciding that they should be. Not with them doing it for themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense, man. So, why should I create an artificial community in my brain when I could find a new one? Right. You know, I've always thought that, you know, when people are in an environment, they start identifying important elements in the environment, and then these environments serve as, like, markers for their emotions. You know, as you stick around the same elements, the elements become more and more important in determining your mental well-being and you know in staying so I, I think about this often you know I think about uh, some of my acquaintances and friends who like freak out over getting an A minus you know um, and I like I see a trend among all of them is that among all of them the all like their environment was a very grade focused environment right. and because that element saved their life the most the most value or sensitivity to change in value was assigned to that element and i feel like something similar can be said of social media that's true and i think it's also people who tend to care about the most tend to grow up in an environment where perception of you is a important detail to know right like i grew up with anxiety disorder without realizing i had anxiety disorder and a lot of senses of my anxiety was how people perceived me they perceived me as weird they perceived me as normal was i being an asshole was i not being an asshole etc so for me, social media became this very much addicting crutch because I could perfect angles and post whatever I want at any time and delete that whenever I want and whenever I could and not really suffer any consequences. Right. So to me, it acted as a crutch to replace any real community because I was so scared of the perceptions of me in my communities. Right. Does that make sense? That makes sense, man. And man, like, I did, like, I deleted all my posts on Instagram. I don't go on Instagram. I use Reddit, which, by the way, to the listeners, I highly, highly recommend because it is oriented around topics that people contribute to, not around other people. I agree. I um, like Reddit. Yes, Reddit. Reddit is am actually. You know, I wonder how much like uh, human advancement Reddit is responsible for. I, I would say a lot. Yeah, but also a lot of moral degradation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. 
moral degradation, maybe just a changing of the goalposts. I don't, I don't like the phrase moral degradation because no, even was... an absence of morality can just be seen as the goalposts changing. I'm just being sarcastic. That's all. Oh, I got you. I got you, man. How do you feel about social media? So do you think Reddit's good? What about 4chan? Or 4chan? 4chan? I think 4chan is very interesting um, because it definitely had its time when it was like, you know, uh, the golden standard of social media, you know, um, or Reddit used to be like very board based, you know? Right. Um, so I don't know. I have no particular opinions on 4chan. I think it just happens to be where a lot of people who maybe can't find a following for their topics go to for more obscure topics. I mean, I, I really don't obscure know. Obscure by used... racist, like... Well, I mean, the thing is, though, like, I, I have... I don't use 4chan, but I have been on 4chan. Yeah. And I have seen, like, good content and good discussion on 4chan. I never actually... I think... Can you get on 4chan through Google? Yes, it's 4chan.com, bro. It's just 4chan.com? Yes, it's 4chan. And that's, that's what I love about it is that... It, it takes me back to this idea of a long time ago when a social media website would just be some dude hosting a website from his basement. You know, right. like the idea of websites like 4chan kind of are reminiscent of the idea that there's the power to the player. The individual is able to have such an integral role in forming communities. Until so those communities became batshit crazy. Right. Um... And also, you know, as the community becomes popular, you know, it's not cool anymore. Too many people use it. It's like yeah. when you find a band that needs to be like obscure God. enough to where it's cool, you know. <laughs> no, it's because the tickets are cheap. It's true. I, I, I don't really go to see bands. I, I actually have really enjoyed going to raves. Right. Like I those need to go to parties. Dude, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything else you want to add, man? No, I am showing like a villain chilling like a villain. You look like you're chilling like a villain too, man. Like villain, <laughs> For the viewers, or not the viewers, the listeners, I should say, potentially the viewers, if we were to integrate some sort of uh, visual stimulus along with this audio, uh, Cameron is very much chilling like a villain. I'm very much chilling like a villain, everyone. <laughs> well, I think we are approaching very quickly the ending of this session. We have reached a landing in the universe in the universe what planet are we landing on dude x ash 12 elon musk's child <laughs> you know uh i wonder if there's a what what is his kid's name like how many digits is that x ash 12 x you memorize this dude yeah so x <laughs> uh with a dash and then it's ash symbol 12 so four i x. wonder with like the amount of planets that are like categorized if there's like a planet with the same name as elon musk probably yeah well anyways thank you for joining us i promise i'm sending you good vibes a couple of kisses in there too that float their way over to you through your open window yes i am there knocking on the window with a mask on and scream the mask is on for covid reasons anyways i'll see y'all
Special thanks to Zapsplat.com for providing us with various sound effects used in the making of this podcast.